0: Hello, I'm inviting you into this A. Gabrielle Exclusive. Keep the conversation going by following A. Gabrielle Exclusives on Instagram. Hello, and thank you for joining me on this week's episode of A. Gabrielle Exclusives entitled, Things I Wish I Would Have Known Before Saying I Do, Part 2. And again, I'm joined by four lovely couples this week. I'll allow them to introduce themselves, along with sharing what their go-to karaoke song is. We'll start with couple number one. Hi, everyone. I'm Savette
1: West. My husband and I have been married for 10 years. We dated for one year. Uh, We met on the internet, so we were probably on the first wave of internet dating, because that was long ago. And I would say my go-to karaoke song is probably Killing Me Softly by Roberta Flack.
2: Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Marlon West. Um, I won't repeat how we met, um, but my wife already said it. And I'm glad she went first because I forgot how long we've been married. So confession <laughs> is, is one of my five things. My go-to uh, karaoke song is by the Commodores, Brickhouse.
3: Hi everybody, my name is Brandon Clark. Uh, and this is my wife, Joanne. Uh, we're glad to be here with you guys today. Um, Joanne and I met in, in college. We were both in a, uh, a Christian ministry and I saw her from across the room, put on the full court press and the rest is history. (laughs) Um, We dated for... A year? A year, uh, and then was engaged for six months after that. Mm -hmm. And then we got married and we've been married for, it'll be 12 years (laughs) in December. So we're almost there at 12. My go-to karaoke song uh, is Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohen. (laughs)
4: <laughs> and mine, I bring it old school, really old. Uh, Patsy Klein's Crazy is my go to.
5: Hi, um, this is Erica Parkinson and my husband Patrick. Um, we dated for two years. We met in Denver through a mutual friend that I went to college with, and we went dancing the first night, and that sealed the deal. <laughs> uh, we've been dating, we dated for two years. We've been married for two. It'll be two years and another week. And my go to karaoke song is Jump by Chris Cross.
6: Tough question, but I think mine would maybe be Hey
7: you by Outkast. So my name is Donna, and this is Charles worthy Smiths. Let's see, how long have we been married? 17 years. It's about almost 17 years. We dated for a few months, literally a few months. <laughs> and um, yeah, I guess the rest is history. Um, my go-to karaoke song is Crazy in Love by Beyonce. I don't have a car- favorite. He's, karaoke. he's not really into karaoke. <laughs> so I'll just side with her. He's the Jay-Z part of the crazy in love,
0: yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Somebody like has to feel that part. So y'all got the little du- <laughs> duet going on. Well, I asked everyone to share what their favorite karaoke song is because I think karaoke is a lot of fun. And I'd like to think that marriage can be a lot of fun as well. So keeping a theme with the show, I've asked each of the couples to prepare a list of five things that they wish they would have known before getting married. And so we'll just circle back to couple number one and hear what they have to say.
1: So the first one is happiness is not the ultimate goal of marriage. You don't get married to be happy. You get married to grow God's kingdom and to give him glory. Happiness may be the result of a God-centered marriage but you should never get married for the purpose of finding happiness. If you're not happy and complete before you get married, you're surely not gonna find happiness in your marriage. The second one would be submission is not a bad thing. It's God's divine order. It's what God has called a married woman to do when her husband is in alignment with Christ. And God's order is God is first, then there's the church, then beneath the church there's man, then there's the woman, then there are the children. And because that is the order, it's okay to submit to your husband if he is a godly man and he is leading you in a godly fashion. Also, um, the third thing is, love isn't enough to keep you together. You both have to be on mission from God with an underlying commitment to, tr- to be true to the promise of, till death do we part. And you have to have an attitude that divorce is not an option. It's not your get out of jail free card whenever you have faced difficult times. The fourth one is marital conflict is normal and healthy. A lot of times when we were growing up, we learned that conflict is a bad thing and it's something we should avoid and run away from. And truth be told, conflict is healthy within the confines of a marriage because it's the way that you sharpen one another. And whenever you go through conflict and you come out unscathed, a lot of times it just makes the marriage stronger and you have a better marital understanding of one another. And so I don't think you should shy away from conflict, just understand that it has to be done in a healthy fashion. There can't be any name calling there can't be any physical fighting and you have to be willing to listen to each, each other's point of view and not just be so argumentative. So um, marriage is definitely going to have conflict, but don't run from it. Understand that it's part of it. And the last thing I would say is that you are not one. Married couples under God's covenant are one in Christ. But you are two separate individuals who have differing desires, opinions, and needs. Don't expect your spouse to be a clone of you. If you expect that he's going to be a clone of you and want the exact same things that you want and have the exact same opinions that you have and just behave the way you want him to behave, you're going to be disappointed. So you have to go into marriage with an understanding that, yes, you are joining as one and you are having a union under Christ, but you are still two separate people and you have to respect that person. So those are the five things that I wish I would have known before I got married. On to you, husband.
2: Okay. Well, good job. Um, So I will say this up front. When we did this list, we would not share what we talked about. And uh, she tried to cheat and look at my paper, which apparently she must have when I walked to the restroom. So my first thing is very similar to what she said about happiness, that um, happiness is not the reason uh, for marriage and why you should get into a relationship. It should be the result. I won't repeat everything that she said um, because it's spot on. Uh, The one thing I will add is that, um, when I listened to the commonality that all these couples had on the show, is that we all got married within a year's time. And, um, you know, to be equally yoked with someone, it takes time. Um, but a lot of times it shows that our tendency to show some form of, I'm gonna call it selfishness, that we are making this about us and that we wanna jump into this because we see that this person is the one for me. And we're not necessarily getting God's body into it. So I wish that uh, someone had told me that early on to stay put and to be patient, okay? And um, the second thing would be that you cannot go into marriage and do this your way. I mean, if, if you're not connected with God and you're not doing it his way, uh, you're in for a tough row, okay? And, um, you know, examples would be, uh, you know, you serve your wife 100%. And the thing that I tried to show our children and even our friends and people that we mentor and even the students that we mentor is that I want, to, I want everyone to see me, not, not me putting on the show, this is just me. I want to out-serve my wife. Okay, I want to make sure that I am giving and putting more into this relationship that she's putting into it. Okay, um, I want to serve in church. Um, I want to pray uh, not only in my own relationship, but into, But I want to pray as a family. Uh, tithing. I want them to know and understand why we tithe as a family. Sacrifice uh, and lead. Uh, those things are all what God would expect as a kingdom man should encompass. And we have to live by example with that. And and another thing I'm doing that is trust, because all those things build trust. And I think that's the most important thing that in a marriage, but in any relationship is trust. Once that trust is broken, it, it takes a lot of effort and time to regain it um my third thing again very similar to my wife's which is saying that man we must be really on the same page is conflict and i kind of said it differently i said conflict is healthy Um, it's to be expected god put conflicts in our lives so we would draw unto him i mean just imagine if you had a perfect marriage and you never got into an argument okay you 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 would go crazy because you would think that you you are above and greater and better than anyone okay it is that conflict that that draws you unto him and makes you vulnerable okay it makes you appreciate all the things that he's doing for you okay and and so uh it's by design uh you get married there will be conflict now how do you get through that how you work through it as one the fourth thing i put is i wish i knew and understood the five love languages okay which are words of affirmation acts of service receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. So my wife is the first one that actually uh, mentioned that to me, and this was doing a part of our relationship where we were learning how to coexist and catch our stride. And I didn't understand why she, was, she would get so frustrated with me at times, because I felt like my acts of service is what she brought this up to me, was acts of service and gifts. OK, I mean, I would just and this I go back to what I said earlier, me just out serving my wife. OK, I mean, laundry, cooking, tending the cars, breadwinner, just all of this, handling the financials. Just, I just felt like I hung the moon. And if I wanted to go out and play golf and hang out with the guys a few days in a row, what's the big deal? I've already checked all the boxes at the house. Well, I misunderstood her love language. Because all along, her love language was quality time. She don't care about gifts. She didn't care about my acts and services. She wanted to spend time with me, okay? And I had to understand that, okay? And and then bake that into our relationship. And once we did that, it just created a stronger bond between the both of us, okay? The fifth thing that um, I would throw in there is it's okay to have some downtime to yourself okay, to decompress, okay, and when I say downtime, it, it's not that you go on a vacation without your spouse because you shouldn't unless it's a guy's trip, it, 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 you guys got to be at a good point in your marriage, but that downtime is you pulling back, and you going into a quiet place, and you're getting intimate with God, and, and you're letting him continue to shape and mold you in what a kingdom man should look like, okay, that's your downtime, okay, And then you circle back and you get back engaged with your family and your wife. So those were the five things that I wish that someone would have said, uh, hey, man, be prepared for these things because they're going to define uh, your marriage. Thank you.
0: Wow. The West family has just dropped some words of wisdom on us. My gosh. Um, we're going to switch over to couple number two, the Clark family, and we'll see what they have to share with us.
3: Wow. Uh, how do you follow that? <laughs>
0: now <I'm taking>
3: notes. <laughs> I, I took some notes too. Uh, Marlon and Sabet, Like, I feel like we can be friends. You guys have such similar uh, ideologies as we do. Just about marriage and just about what God's intention for marriage was. I'm inspired by the things that you guys have said, honestly, I'm not saying that. Um, so a lot of these will feel like drafts off yours, not because I was writing down, but because <laughs> I think we think a lot of the like. but, um, you know, the first one is, uh, you know, I got married when I was 24, something like that. And I don't, I don't think that I really understood the gravity of the decision that I was making. Like, so my first one is that it really matters who you marry, like the trajectory of my life if I had married the wrong person, could have gone such a different way. Like, I I recently um, had a really tough season at work, like just, like, things were just, were were not going well. And and my wife, I'll say, um, was my rock during that time. And I fell more in love with her because uh, when I was at my worst, she just picked me up and she knew exactly the kind of things to say to me. And it was it was exactly what I needed in that tough time. And so your wife's going to be the person that you share most of your meals with. That when you're going through tough times, she's going to pick you up. So if you guys are going to have likely kids together, and your kids are going to start acting like her. So it's important that you like the way she acts, you know. Your kids will look like her, so it's important to like the way, you know. All those things are um, are just so important. And so, so my number one is it really matters who you marry. Like don't, don't take the decision lightly. It's not like choosing a friend, it's, it's choosing a mate and it really is an important decision. The second one is, um, I'm calling it uh, empty the waste basket. <laughs> and and what I mean by that is um, like don't let there be too many things that pile up before you guys talk about it. My, my wife and I are both, uh, like we're both like, how do i say this
4: passionate communication. we're
3: passionate people <laughs> and so we we aren't the kind of personality that that sweeps things under the rug and just says oh i'm not gonna sweat the small stuff i'm not gonna so it, it causes us a lot of conflict we had a lot of conflict early on and still go in and out of seasons where we we have a lot of conflict but what we're learning is it's good it's it's, it's more about how we have that conflict but nothing ever gets built up. That's the good thing about our relationship. We never have a situation where there's this big elephant in the room that nobody's talked about. And then all of a sudden it rears its ugly head. And we're just in a, you know, we just get blindsided by it. Like we, we take everything and we say, Hey, we're going to talk about this. Let's talk about it. Let's work through it. And I think we've learned how to work through things. And so um, that's one thing that I I would, I would encourage people to empty the wastebasket. Don't let it get too full. Number three is, it's just about, I think, I think you said it's it's just about like knowing yourself, Uh, loving yourself. You can't, you said it well, when you said you can't go into a relationship thinking that that person's like you you can't love someone until you love yourself. You're just going to be reliant on them to feel love and you got to know how to be loved without them, you got to know where your love comes from. And it's from God. And so early on, we did a, a personality profile and I found out more about myself and the kind of personality that I, that I had. And she found out about herself and the kind of personality that she had and we talked about that. It, it, it was a situation where I said, hey, I'm like this and and that's okay. And she's like that and that's also okay. We've got to figure out how to live together. Which brings me to my next point, which is point number I'm on four. Point number four, you'll change when you get married. And that's a good thing. I think a lot of people go into marriage and they say, uh, well, you don't try to change me and I'm not going to try to change you. And then we're just going to be fine. <laughs> And it doesn't work like that, you know? Uh, When you start, when you get married to someone, they're gonna rub off on you. You guys are gonna sharpen each other and things are actually gonna get better. If you let the process make you better, it will make you better. And so I'm less selfish than I was before I got married. I I know to put up my clothes and not to leave them on the ground a little bit more than before I got married. (laughs) so so there's a lot of things that your your wife your significant other will will sharpen you in and you need to trust that process like it's not all change is not always a bad thing and my last one yeah it it really is a draft off yours Marlon. i can't get away from it it's it's the whole love languages thing uh it it, I, i don't want to reiterate what you said but it is so important to love your wife the way that they want to be loved. If you just blindly do the things that you think they'll like, because you like it, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You have to learn how to love them the way that they want to be loved, or you're just gonna be spinning your wheels. And so with with us early on, like her thing is acts of service and quality time. So when I when I spend quality time with her, that's way bigger of a thing um, than if I like get her a gift or something like that. So like the, the big thing is just spending the time together, even though it may not be the way that I receive love. Um, and so I just, I can't reiterate that enough. You got to learn your woman. You got to learn what she, what she likes and how she wants to be loved. And, um, And it takes a real man to love one woman. I'll say that it takes a real man to to love one woman for their whole life. And I'll end it there.
4: (laughs) Oh, I guess I'll pick up. Um, So a few of mine uh, may be more practical, but um, the first one that really works for me as more of an emotional person, and like we communicated earlier, we're quite passionate, um, is communicating outside of conflict. So if there is something that maybe is bothering me. Um, The time to talk about it is not when it's actually bothering me at that moment. Doing it outside of the conflict when you are at peace, um, when you can think good thoughts about them, and after you've prayed about it, that's the time to discuss it with them. Um, Another one, which is, it's kind of a weird rule, but it's kind of come up in our marriage a lot and I've shared it with other people and they're like, oh, that's good. And that would be when inevitably, there's one of you that may clean more than the other. And then there may be times where one person just gets in a cleaning mood. And we in our house, we call it the eye of the tiger. When you get the eye of the tiger yeah. and you just want to clean because you're just done. If one person gets that mood, that doesn't mean the other person has to do it as well. And that's kind of a big thing. And I'm actually the, I have the tiger one and Brandon would be like, okay, I'm glad you're in this mood but I was really wanting to rest. And so I think to honor the different levels and it's switched, like there've been times where he gets and I'm like, look, I'm just sitting on the couch. And I think that has really served us well. So I'll pass that one along. Next is another practical tip is giving each other personal money which also includes under the umbrella of budgeting, you know, honoring God's money the way that you both see fit, um, according to the Bible. But I think what happens when you give each other personal money, one is you, obviously get to spend it but then you can celebrate when the other person brings home something or they can celebrate when you have something and it's not like oh where did that come from you know it's like you trust each other to stay within the bounds of your budget and then you can celebrate when one person buys something and um, it's also special when you buy them something from your budgeted money and so again it just keeps the conflict I feel out of money is when you have your own personal money and of course everything else is kind of budgeted out. Another one that we did, and I felt like we did this one right, so I also wanted to pass down. We, as well as most of you have mentioned, did marital counseling. And when we were, oh, premarital counseling, excuse me. And our pastor said, okay, you've gone in each room of the house and you've turned the lights on. Great. He said, now I want you to get a flashlight and I want you to go to every dark corner in this house and expose it. And more specifically, he talked about, just sharing kind of your sexual past or just sharing your sexual experiences, your past relationships. And I get that some personalities, this may not be maybe the best, but for me and for us, it was important to have that foundation of truth and trust. There was nothing to hide. There was just complete freedom. And you have to go into that situation prayerfully, respectfully, gracefully, Um, but once we got through it, there was so much freedom on the other side. And I felt like we could then build our relationship on trust. And there was nothing to uncover, no secrets, and that we can truly just live a life of freedom and and blessings that God has for you sexually when you're in a marriage. And so that was something I felt like we did well. And then the last one, um... Is I would say is upholding each other's honor in public. That was something that I kind of had to learn. But and more practically, how that looks is like you will never find me like hitting Brandon. You won't find me talking ill about him, or maybe uncovering his secrets, or or just dishonoring him with my words. Or oh, you know, Brandon always like I just don't talk like that. And vice versa. And I think um, especially with our personalities it can be competitive and we can be very passionate but there's just a baseline of respect that we just won't cross in public that stuff is private and if I do need help or if I need to confess and just reach out to someone it's it's you know private and it's someone whom I trust and it's not a public thing and so again to uphold each other's honor in public so
0: those are my stuff but thank you all for that i would definitely say you dropped some gems as well we'll transition over to the parkinson's now and hear what they have to share
5: i mean our brains are just exploding over here we're still very new into marriage so you guys are we're taking notes thank you for that
6: <laughs> yeah i would say that we're, we're still learning every day and, and listening to you guys is, is very very helpful so thank we're you. still just about two years in so
5: so something that we did that i loved was actually at our wedding is find a second for yourselves just for it to be the two of you during that whole day. When you get married, it's so fast. So many people are vying for your attention. There's so many things you have to do that day, but just finding a moment where it can just be the two of you to kind of cherish that moment and just be like, we're here. This is it. This is us. Now we are a family. Now it was just, it was just so nice and it made all the more of a special moment that day. Secondly, something that someone told me, about marriage is choose love. Even if it's difficult or inconvenient, choose love. Because it's that same idea everyone kind of touched on. You can get mad, you get frustrated, and you can be very passionate about how you feel, but always coming from a place of love and understanding with each other and, and never hitting below the belt, never saying hurtful things just to hurt the other, but truly loving and being respectful of that person. Because you get into your own mood and you're like, oh, they're wrong, they're wrong, but just taking a step back and be like, no, let me see their other side. And I love this person, so why am I gonna treat them that way? Number three, prioritize your relationship and the family that you are created and set boundaries. Something that we've kind of struggled with is setting boundaries with our extended family. Patrick has a lot of family that lives in town and they love us, which is great, but we had to kind of figure out how to prioritize our family and the marriage that we're in and prioritize our time and still see the family. So be selfish, go on your date nights and it's okay to say no, say no.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would say it kind of goes hand in hand with some of the other things that you guys were talking about in terms of you, you do have to change your perspective on things a little bit. I would say, I have a very very tight knit family, and my brother lives right down the street. We hang out all the time, and sister now lives in Denver, and so do my <laughs> parents, right? And so we're very used to even even when we were growing up. I mean, all the friends would come over to our house. My parents would cook big meals, and we'd kind of all all hang out. And I I think that was a big lesson learned for for me, right? That Erica doesn't always want to do every, <laughs> every holiday with, with the family. Right. And it, it and it seems obvious. And looking back on it, it's kind of like, man, how did I not even see that? But you, you kind of get caught in your own, own rhythm. Right. And so you have to take a step back and say like someone else has, <laughs> has some serious needs too. So that, that's something that, 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 we've, we've been working through as well. Um, hopefully doing better.
5: Yes. much better. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, um, we had, well, I had no idea what to look for when we bought a home. So I wish I knew more of like what to ask. I had no idea about home inspections, what to look for, what to ask, like HVAC. I still don't really know. <laughs> but when we purchased a home, we were looking at homes and you, you're like, oh, that's pretty. That's a nice bathtub. Oh, they didn't do the crown molding in here. But other real questions that I should have been asking should have been, when was the house built? What's the plumbing like? It's a lead plumbing. Do we know if there's asbestos in the walls? I just didn't have anyone to really talk to. And it was in Denver, in Colorado, at least, it's very quick. It's a seller's market. So you almost feel pressured to buy. And so you're like, okay, what should I do? It looks nice. Let's just do it. So just a little bit more knowledge on that would have been great. But we figured it out and turned out well. But it would have been great to have more information. And then I guess lastly, um, just to listen. Listen without the intention of of answering and replying. Listen to hear and hear your partner's other side without having to say anything. Just hear, absorb it. And that's two years in knowledge.
6: Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that we're, um, we, we've been moving pretty fast over the last year. I mean, it feels like these last two years have, have flown flown by like crazy. And I, I would say when when we were Dating, it was funny. I mean, we we didn't we didn't really have any any conflict at, at all, really. I would say. I, mean, I kind of personally thought that it's kind of important to maybe live with someone yeah. before for you, you actually get get married. But I mean, we we really had very little little conflict at at all. I would say. And in in the first year, there's a lot of things we did moving fast about buying a house we also had some, some family stuff going on. We, we had, a a my brother-in-law passed away. He's a young guy with, with young kids who passed away. And so that was kind of a, a, a crazy event. Um, probably caused my family to get together <laughs> even more. Right. And so I think we experienced more, more conflict just in, in that first year. And, um, probably now spending a lot more time kind of doing what we're doing in this conversation now, like sitting down and reflecting on kind of work, what works well, what doesn't work mm-hmm. well. Because honestly, before everything was um, so and so good, good that, that we never mm-hmm. really had to sit down and, and do this stuff. So I, I think that that's where, I mean, like you all mentioned, the conflict is, is it, it, it it's important, right? So that that was one thing that I just wanted to mention. And then I I think the other thing is ma- maintaining a, a, a sense of humor as well. I think you got to look back at some of the original reasons that that we got got married in the first place is that I think we we both enjoy a, a good laugh and just enjoying life. And sometimes just have to to remember that. And even in the even in the dark times, kind of going back and trying to cheer each other up and just to in, in, enjoy life and, and laugh a little bit. Not, not a fully baked list, but... <laughs> we're working.
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> if we do this call again, next year, y'all have like three times as much to say. So I definitely appreciate the insight that you shared. Um, definitely as being um, our, I would say, newlyweds on the call, I definitely think that you all offered a different perspective that the listeners can also appreciate. So thank you for that. We'll switch over to couple number four, the Smiths now. Great. So
7: I'll go first. So number one, how to handle finances as a couple. It was a little hard for me, probably not so much for Charles, but for me, because I'm uh, very independent. And so just like, I didn't want to share my money. (laughs) (laughs) Like I wanted to keep, (laughs) I wanted to keep my bank account is my bank account. And I wanted to really, what I really wanted to do was he pay all the bills and I just have to do whatever I want to do with my money. God, that's so selfish. God, when I look back, but that is the truth. Um, but obviously that didn't pan out. So I think just, I, I had to learn, well, we both had to learn how to, as a couple work, you know, with our finances as a couple, And honestly, when we did our financially, it just, things got better, even better than what I could have imagined. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Number two, how to not lose myself as individually. So, I mean, I'm always, I've always been pretty independent. And so I think coming together as a couple, and I really didn't even put that for me, so to speak. I really kind of put that for Charles, because I was thinking of him honestly when I said that. Because his whole entire life, he seen his parents operate as like they were each other's best friends, and I didn't have that example. And I, I'm, I'll just to give you a, a little backstory. I'm a last born child, and not only that, my sisters are like 15 and 16 years older than me. So I really do operate like as an individual and so I think um that was really hard for me because the only example he's seen was his parents and they did everything together and that would annoy me at first like but now our kids are a lot older and um we have one kid left at home and then she's in two years she's going to be gone and so I think um I've learned to us work more together. Am I saying that right? We, you know, we're, we're more of a couple together because in a few years I realize it is really just going to be both of us, you know? And so I've, for the last few years, I've, I've really been, uh, I've really realized, I realized that and I'm making a a better effort. Do you think? Yes. Of, um, you know, just, being each other's best friend. <laughs> the third one, how to, how to not let my path into our relationships. So we were both previously married. And I mean, it was, it was, it was hard. It, I'm speaking for myself on this one. I um, went through a lot. And so I did not have trust. My, I, didn't, I did not trust him. And a lot of times he has said to me, I'm not that person. I'm not that person. You have to let go. This is not who I am. And so am I better? I I know I'm better. I don't know why I asked that. Of course I'm better.
8: (laughs) You have to ask. Maybe not.
7: I'm much better. (laughs) Charles is a great guy. I mean, I wouldn't be married to him for 17 years if he wasn't. Total opposite. And and just, he's an awesome guy. Brought me um, closer to Christ, you know. And so if I did not allow... God to intervene and pray about letting go of my past, then I don't think we would have made it. I don't, or it would have been really hard. Developing um, a, my relationship with God. So when we got married, Charles was, he was, well, when I when I met him, he, he knew he was going to be a pastor one day. And um, I, I mean, he told me. And I, so I knew that that was always in the back of my head. Well when we first got married it just seemed like his relation he was trying to make me to me be someone that I I just wasn't ready to be and I would constantly tell him you do you and when God is ready for me to be where he wants me to be he'll he'll get me there but don't you're making it hard for me when you're trying to push me, you're trying to make me be somebody I'm not. Let me, let God work on me. So that was always a constant struggle with us. Just, you know, him trying to make me be who I wasn't. And, you know, not to say I didn't, we weren't unequally yoked. You know, we both believe in 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 God and have a, we both had a relationship with Christ, but he was just a couple of steps further than I was. I mean, I wasn't ready to be no pastor's wife (laughs) at the time. So, you know, it's just it's been a a progression. And I I think I'm catching up. Am I? (laughs) You caught up. (laughs) You said I I caught up. (laughs) Oh, you slowed down Mm. for me. Okay. Well, I mean, that's what it is in relationships. You know, you're not always on the same. We're individuals and we're not always on the same page. So I mean. You may have to wait for your, um, to catch up with your partner or your partner to catch up to you. I should say that's a part of marriage, you know, and let's see number five. Oh, keeping people out of my marriage, learning that again, that your spouse is your best friend, your spouse is supposed to be your best friend. And so with that being said, you know like the, the other couple, I think the second couple talked about not, um, downgrading your spouse, not talking about your spouse, not telling your family, you know, business, your friends, family, because gosh, that backfires, especially when you're mad at your spouse, but then y'all make up. And then that other person knows your business and then they talk about that. And so that that's that's bad. Yeah, that's something I wish I we didn't have to, to deal with. I wish someone would have said, Don't do that, Donnie. And I I think that's five. Yeah.
8: Okay, my turn. I think I have six because never listen to your wife who wants to do this outside with nature. <laughs> Crickets, the lizards, the frogs are everywhere. And
7: mosquitoes. <laughs> and mosquitoes.
8: Okay, let me stop playing. Um First thing I would say is I wish someone told me that I shouldn't compare my wife to my mom. Oh. Yeah, my mom was like something special.
1: Oh!
8: I mean, you are special.
1: Oh too. my god! You are.
8: <laughs> I mean, my mom was superwoman, and and I literally, I, I I just I just thought she would, you know, call my mom to find out all the things that I like, and and you know, we'll just pick up from there, but. You know, it was kind of, it was a hard transition for me to understand that she's not hers. Like, like for instance, my mom uh, made all of us breakfast for our birthday. Oh, I got up one morning, our first the first year we were married, I thought I was smelling bacon and eggs, but, you know, she was like, hey, I got to go to work just like you. So, <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't understand. So, yeah, not comparing her to my mom. One other thing, uh, uh, I wish someone told me that my relationship with her uh, or marriage to her would not be like my parents like she said my parents were each other's best friends they ate off the same plate uh for 49 years until my mom passed away right before their 50th wedding anniversary when you saw one you saw the other you know, first thing when someone found out who my parents were they found out i was a child first thing they would ask me your parents um they asked if they still at the same plate and they always said they never saw one without the other they they traveled everywhere together so I just expected we would be exactly like that, not understanding that you know she's very independent. We come from two different backgrounds, two different experiences. So I, I've always said you only be, you only know what you've been taught or exposed to. So I was exposed to a different family life than she was, and it, it was a, it was a hard transition for me, you know, for her not to understand that well. We are supposed to be together. We're supposed to do everything together. Um, so that that was that was a bit of a challenge for me, uh, and then uh, also. I wish someone told me that uh, procrastination, getting things done around the house, leads to turmoil. <laughs> you know, some things aren't aren't that important to me, but they are important to her. It it took me uh, 17 years to figure that out, but I figured it out. It's, that's why we're in the backyard. <laughs> Don't like cutting grass. I mean, hey. <laughs> you know, but the uh, Homeowners Association says it has to be cut. So, you know, I get to it when that letter comes to the house. So, Mm -mm. but also becoming a blended family, uh, like she had our oldest two kids she had with her deceased husband. I had no children. So I I just assumed that the older two children would teach the child we have together. You know, I didn't realize they was going to teach her their good and bad habits. I just assumed they were going to teach her. This is, you know, how things are supposed to go, but they taught her. I said, how to wrap daddy around your finger. (laughs) (laughs) You know, how to get this from daddy, you know? And so, yeah. So I wish someone told me that, you know, they would teach her her their good and bad habits. And lastly, uh, I wish someone would, would have told me that uh, um, my wife is an individual and I have, I, I cannot force her to be someone that she's not. Uh, I grew up in church. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I did some things outside of church for a minute, but I eventually came back. But I enjoy being in church. I mean, the musicals I didn't care about. Prayer beatings, revivals, teaching services, you know, I really enjoy, you know, being the first one there. I'm that guy, I'd rather be an hour early than a minute late. She's the very opposite. You know, I'm, you know, I like getting a good seat, not sitting in the back, have to, you know, shift my head left and right. You know what I'm saying? When the speaker moves back and forth, I I tried to force her to be someone that she wasn't. Um, And again, going back to my mom. You know, I wanted her to be my mom. My mom was always with my dad. You know, every place they went, you know, they were always together. And, and, I, and I thought that was my example. So I just, I just knew that my relationship should be just like that. And so, but I tried to force her. I, I tell the story, you know, when we talk to younger couples, uh, the first seven years of marriage was kind of rough. Um, uh, primarily on, on some, I should say for, for a little while, until God had to straighten me out. Um, Saturday night from about 6 p.m. to Sunday about 2 p.m., she wasn't my best friend. You know, I'm trying to get my mind ready, you know, if I have to minister, if I have to come with my pastor and preach, or I was teaching the youth. You know, things were going on, and I'm trying to prepare my mind and get ready, you know, for spiritual warfare or whatever comes up. And she wanted to do the very opposite. And so it was always this constant battle between us, you know. Come Saturday night, this is something's not. This we're not gelling here, you know. But it just goes back to me forcing her to be someone she wanted to be, and then me running when she was walking, and it wasn't until God, God convicted my heart and told me I had, I can't force her to be something that she's not, but allow Him to work on her. And she eventually come come, you know, what I'm saying not so much catch up with me, but then I also had to slow down because I'm running ahead of her, so I'm constantly looking back, telling her to catch up while I'm still running, versus waiting for her, take her by the hand, and then let's just do it together. Mm-hmm. So I wish someone just told me that, uh, you know, it, it's 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 better for me to allow God to work on her versus me trying to make her do what I want her to do.
0: Wow, that was a really nice ending note. Thank y'all so much for sharing. I last just have to say, I love these calls. I was a little bit hesitant about this season going into it um, because. several of the themes have different multiple parts to them where i have different people sharing and i'm just kind of thinking you know are all these people going to get on the call and say the exact same thing and each conversation is so unique so i definitely appreciate you all um just being transparent and allowing us to have a little peek into your world so as we wrap up here i have one final question and you may need to take a couple seconds to consult with your styles. But I'm wondering what is the number one thing that makes your relationship great?
2: So I'll jump in and I'm pretty sure I can speak for my wife. Um, I think the thing that uh, has made and strengthened our relationship is that uh, we're both um, walking. And I love um, what the last couple said about walking together. And, and more importantly walking at the same pace but you know we were church goers and we went to a church that we loved but it was a long ways away so we would just do the sunday thing we wanted to serve but we used distance as a reason and we finally found a church that was closer which is how we met gabby and uh, now we can serve okay and we're involved in church and I think that that has really just um, was like the ice on the cake for our marriage because it it just it gives us an opportunity to fellowship with other Christian couples and meet friends that are walking and talking and and have the same interests that we have. So um, I would say our walk in Christ has been the one thing that has really been the glue to our, our marriage.
1: Absolutely. I'll echo that 100%.
5: Well, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> For us, I think our superpower as a couple is our ability to laugh hard. <laughs> Some jokes maybe take them a little too far. To laugh and also just our acceptance of each other. Whatever it is we're going through, maybe our shortcomings, our wins, our accomplishments, just our ability to accept each other.
6: Yeah, I think so. We're both probably... Overly conscientious people a little bit, so we're, we're always looking out for one another
3: I am for us i think like I feel like my wife is my number one fan like I feel like she wants me to succeed more than anybody else on this planet and uh, and I feel the same for her for you know like I, I think that's that's the thing that keeps us going I know, I know she is I know she is down for me i'm gonna tell a, a <laughs> dumb story that we always talk about. Okay my mom is is deathly afraid of mice like (laughs) deathly and there was a (laughs)
4: story it's a
3: weird story we had some construction across the street from our like apartment complex and it sent all the mice like across and so everybody around us was dealing with mice right and my mom came in because we were going on a vacation to watch the kids and we were in the bedroom you know like getting ready to leave and we get in the guest bedroom and we saw a mouse And we were like, oh, my God, if my mom finds this mouse, she is our kid will not be safe because she will just leave him. (laughs) She wouldn't. But, you know, but so it was like 2 a.m. and my wife and I are together, like with a broom trying to kill this mouse. And that's what I knew. This woman (laughs) was going to be down for me no matter what. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to kill a mouse with me.
2: And what they say, a family that kills a mouse together stays together. That's right. <laughs> That's
4: a stronger force.
2: Okay, so for us,
7: um, I think just knowing that we have that sincere knowledge that no matter what we are, we're down for each other. You know, there's nothing that he can do. Well, a, I already know that. You know, he's not going to do anything to. Him. Uh, intentionally hurt me. But at the end of the day, whether we get into an argument, whether you know, we may not be happy at seven PM by, by twelve midnight, you know, where we're happy, you know, we're we're friends. We may not be happy with each other, but at the end of the day, we always have each other's back. Like nothing is going to separate us from each other. The no divorce, you know, no it's, yeah, it's just, it's not an option. At the end of the day, with, we know with Christ in our, in our, as the head of our lives that we can conquer anything and nothing can destroy that.
8: And just to add to that, uh, we're both thinking the same thing. and I'm just not as lengthy, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I would say, as you said, we have each other's back. Um, so, for instance, if, if some an intruder was to come through the backyard, uh, she wouldn't be like, honey, go get them. She would say, honey, let's go get them. So let's take care of this together. That's that Compton Long Beach in her. That her. <laughs> 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 we're, we're both from L.A. <laughs> but uh, so, so um, like she said, we, we have each other's back no matter what. Good, bad, ugly, and different at the end of the day uh, we, you know, we're, we're, we're together, you know, saying by God's grace, his mercy, uh, we can do all things through him because he strengthens us. Yeah. Oh, that's it. That's all I have.
0: each So I really appreciate each of you all contributing today. And again, like I mentioned earlier, just letting us have a peek in your lives. Um, I think that the listeners will be able to just gain valuable insight and um, just gems of wisdom from each of you. So I really appreciate you all for sharing and being on the episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I'd now like to invite you into the post-show conversation. In this three to five minute segment centered on social justice, I'll discuss briefly with the guests systemic oppression, how people are practically managing their own sphere of influence, self-care amidst the noise and the reality that Black lives don't just matter when they're brutally murdered, but they matter in our education system, in media portrayal, healthcare, our juvenile and criminal justice system, and so many more industries. Welcome to the conversation.
9: As a journalist, I'm trained not to do certain things um, and not to say certain things for fear of it coming off as bias. So just bear with me because um I'm not necessarily doing all that well right now um there's a lot going on I don't need to reiterate what's going on in the country right now um it's it's a sense of racism and injustice that's been happening to the black community for hundreds of years now and um, it's wrong it's wrong but since the death of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, And Breonna Taylor, I've seen countless people posting those of you who are staying silent we're watching and we're taking note. Now I want to comment on that because I have been one of those people that have stayed quiet and stayed silent. Um, The killings, the murders of African American people in this country affects everyone differently just like any other life event, it affects people differently. Some people, they take to social media, they call for justice. Others, they will defend those who commit those injustices, which is wrong, and some people choose to stay quiet. Lately, I've seen it said by family members, friends, acquaintances, random people I have on social media, that those who are staying silent are complicit to what is happening in the country right now. I'm logging on today to say that that not everyone who is silent is complicit. Okay? I have plenty to say about what is happening right now. I'm angry about what's going on. I am sad that there are so many African American people that are losing their lives because of the color of their skin. I'm happy that there are so many people in the nation that see the problem and want to make a change. I'm disappointed sometimes in the way that we choose to go about making that change. (sighs) I'm scared for the future and what it holds Sometimes I am unhopeful that anything will come of our pain, our struggles. And at the same time, I try to be hopeful that we will see justice served one day and that we will live in a better country. All those feelings, it's overwhelming. It's part of the reason I have tears in my eyes right now. And I know that I can't be alone when I say that I have not been active on social media, like others, because I'm at a loss for words to say. What, what do you say? My African-American people that are watching this, what do you want people to say to you? That, that, that's a genuine question I have. I just don't know what to say because what's the right thing to say? Do, w- will it make a difference? That's my big thing. Will it make a difference? So to those who say, I'm watching, who is staying silent, I want you to take a look at who's not posting. Some of them, yes, they may be complicit as to what is going on in our country right now. But others, they just might not know what or how to say what they're feeling and choose to be numb to it all. I'm choosing not to do that anymore. I'm choosing to push my boundaries in the hopes that it pushes someone else's boundaries in the hopes that it pushes the country's boundaries so that we can make actual difference. I'm choosing now to stand up with the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm choosing to stand with my brothers and sisters across the country with our allies. And I'm saying that what Derek Chauvin and the other officers did to George Floyd was wrong. And that justice should be served for them and the countless others murdered by the hands of the oppressor. Now whether my words or actions make a difference, that's up to God and only him, but I'm choosing to try and make a change the best way I know how. So for me, in my everyday life as a journalist, that means showing both sides and telling both sides of the story on my personal pages, on my professional pages, on the news that I produce, on the news that I anchor. And I also come to God and ask that you help us create change in this country. Touch the hearts of our leaders, touch the hearts of those leaders that have yet to come to the forefront of this fight. I just want the Lord to guide our country on its journey to reach
0: full potential. Thanks for tuning in while the conversation was flowing. Follow ADI Gabrielle Exclusives on Instagram and the conversation can keep going. I post once a week. Make sure you subscribe so you can stay up and catch this weekly vibe.